stories in numbers. Stories that will make you feel either good or bad, but in a nice way. But not everything can be captured by numbers. We need stories to make sense of the world we live in. Cuenta na may cuento. Stories in numbers. With Michael Cañares. Welcome back to Stories in Numbers. I know it has been a while that we haven't issued a new episode. And also, it took us a while to actually assemble the material for this episode, which is a continuation of our discussion last time regarding the impact of the use of social media on teenagers in Bohol. As you can remember, in our discussion last time, we were talking about how teenagers have been concerned about their privacy online, how some of them have actually experienced bullying and other acts that are predatory in nature while they're using social media online. And that's why they're most concerned about who will be the ones to protect their privacy. So I think this is a question which does not only plague those who are in Bohol, but also those teenagers across the country, in the Philippines, and even across the world. So I think the primary question now is whose responsibility is it to protect online privacy, especially of more vulnerable users? And in this case, of students or teenagers who may not have the necessary knowledge, skills, and tools to be able to protect themselves from predatory behavior while using the internet. Now, as a parent, this has been my concern primarily because with the closure of schools and the decision of the Department of Education to hold classes online through blended learning or through modular delivery, more and more that our students or our children are actually exposed to the risks of online privacy because a lot of their time is actually being spent in conversations with their peers through the use of messaging apps. And most of the time, they are actually using the internet to search for certain videos that are needed for them to understand the lesson or to look at references for the current topics or activities that they are actually engaged in. So going back to the important question of whose responsibility is it to protect online users from threats online, some of the students in the study in Bohol argued that it is a responsibility of social media companies to protect user data and to protect them from risks. But we all know, especially with most recent events, and even with the fiasco spurred by Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, highlighting the vulnerability of users to breaches, bad practice, and other threats to privacy, we cannot actually rely on social media companies to work for us or to work for our benefit. So I would argue that protection of social media users and the protection of users and their data requires a concerted effort among their different actors, including the users themselves. So what can be done? So when I was still part of the Web Foundation, there was a research that was conducted in 2017 that highlighted the importance of governments enacting regulations to protect data privacy of internet users. The same research points out that with the exception of the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, or the GDPR, people in most countries are not protected by strong regulatory frameworks. So GDPR is in effect in the European Union countries, but it will not protect the students that are featured in the study. The students in Bohol, for example, without global data protection standards, a new form of inequality will persist. So users in Europe enjoy some degree of privacy protection, 
while others remain to be unprotected. So what is important this time around is to ensure that teenagers using the internet and using social media, for example, must be made digitally literate. We have seen, for example, in previous papers and previous researches that several experts have argued that users must control their data and protect their privacy. Evidence suggests that the more people feel that their information is secure, the more they are willing to disclose information. So if you are to put more of the burden of data privacy on the user themselves, there must be provisions to equip them with digital literacy and privacy awareness to make or to enable them to make informed decisions. So it's important, for example, in the context of teenagers in Bohol, that we really need to teach them on the basics of data privacy, on the basics of how to protect themselves from predatory behavior online, and on the basics of how they can actually make use of digital technologies to combat attacks against their privacy and even misinformation online. However, I would also would like to argue that privacy in the use of social media cannot be entirely maintained by users because a lot of them don't have control over their data. And therefore, I think the call has still to be made towards Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other companies behind these social media apps that they will become more transparent and accountable in the use of personal data. In the research that I've conducted in three countries across the globe, I mentioned there that there's really a need for social media companies to become more transparent and accountable in the use of their personal data, including ensuring that terms of service that users agree to are accessible, understandable, and clear. Users should also be given more control over how their personal data is collected and used. So where can we start? I think we can start with uh, digital literacy. Unfortunately, digital literacy is not only something which is weak on the part of young people. Even individuals that are older, are mature enough, are not even aware of how to protect themselves from risks online. So let's start off with some basic rules on data literacy. So apparently, even adults like us, age 30 and above, are not even aware on how to protect themselves from online harassment or how to protect themselves from privacy. So when we speak to our children, it's very important that we have some basic rules on how they should be able to protect themselves from predators online or how they should behave in such a way that they will not be putting themselves into the risk of unsafe use of social media. So one of the things or the resources out there in the internet, you can check this out, is that of Safety Net Kids in the UK. So they outlined at least 10 rules on staying safe online. And these are things that I think are very simple that we can use ourselves and instruct our children to do so. The first one is very basic. If you don't want your privacy to be violated, don't post any personal information online. Don't post, for example, your address, your email address, or your mobile number in your Facebook accounts. Keep all these things in private and don't share this even with your friends. The second is you have to think twice before posting pictures or videos of yourself. You have to take note that once you put a picture of yourself online, most people can see it. They may be able to download it. So therefore, it's not just yours anymore. Third, when you use social media, 
keep your privacy settings as high as possible. Even if this would actually inconvenience you or those of your friends because they need to do a lot of things or you need to do a lot of things for you to be able to communicate with them or for them to be able to see what you are posting. Very basic. Also, is never give out your passwords to anyone. Fourth, don't befriend people yet that you don't know. So you can take a look at your friends list, for example, at Facebook and see whether those that are there are people that you know. And every time that you actually receive a request, please evaluate whether or not this person is actually somebody that you know from a past relationship, from a past transaction, or from past events. Take note also that some people may pretend to be somebody else online. They can grab somebody else's picture, put the names that are attached to it, and act as if he or she is that person. So it's very important and critical that, for example, if somebody makes a friend request in Facebook, you really have to ascertain or text that person, or when you get a chance to see him or her somewhere else, ask him or her if she actually or he actually made that friend request. Six, don't meet up with people you've met online. Make sure that you speak to your parents or carers about people who are suggesting that you have to do so. This may not be necessarily so risky during this time of community quarantine where there are so many mobility restrictions. But still, we have to remind ourselves that when we don't know the person that asked us to meet them somewhere in a particular time, we shouldn't be doing so. Again, related to the one that I was saying a while ago, Remember that not everyone online is who they say they are. So it really takes a lot of evaluation as well as assessment. Whether or not the person that we are conversing with is actually the person that purports him or her to be. So there are so many cases of identity theft these days. I even have an experience on my own where somebody actually asked me for money. They would like to borrow money from me because they are actually experiencing difficulties because of community quarantine and COVID and so on. And later did I find out that that person is not actually my friend when I called him up over the phone and to ask him whether or not he was the one who was actually sending those requests for money. The next is think carefully about what you say before you post something online. In some social media sites, you can actually delete what you have already posted. But in others, you will not be able to do so. But even then, if you will be able to delete such, take note that people can take screenshots of whatever it is that you say online. So be careful always on what you say before posting it online. Ninth, we have to respect other people's views, even if we don't agree with them. So sometimes social media becomes very toxic, not only for children, but also for adults as well, because people get to be so rude. I think the golden rule here would always apply. Do not do unto others what you don't want others to do unto you. And finally, according to Safety Net Kids, if you see something online that makes you feel uncomfortable, unsafe, or worried, automatically leave the website, turn off your computer if you want to, and tell your parents or a trusted adult immediately. These are very important guidelines that does not only apply to kids, but also to adults as well, to ensure that our lives are much safer when we use social media. The National Cybersecurity Alliance are also saying the same things. And I would just like to highlight a few that for me, I think it's worth highlighting. One is 
Once posted, always posted. Always protect your reputation on social networks. What we post online stays online. Again, even when we have deleted them. So think twice before posting pictures. You wouldn't want your parents or future employers to see, for example. So this is really funny, but this is true. Recent research found that 70% of job recruiters rejected candidates based on information they found online. So while we are very protective of our reputation, the more that we should be very protective of our reputation online. Next is always keep personal info or personal information personal. So be always cautious about how much personal information you provide on social networking sites. Next is know and manage your friends. Maybe it's a high time now that you start pruning or deleting friends from your friends list who are toxic, who are bringing you to harm, or for those who are not giving you any good, or those that are bullying you or making you feel bad. It's also very important to keep your security software updated. Several of us, those who are able to do so, buy a licensed protection software that actually alerts us of phishing emails, alerts us of dangerous sites, and malicious malware. So maybe if you are actually doing excessive social media use or excessive internet use, we should actually start thinking about investing in a good security software and updating it all the time. Finally, one of the things that the National Cybersecurity Alliance tells us is, when in doubt, throw it out. Tweets, posts, online advertising, emails that are suspicious needs to be deleted. We should be able to trust sometimes our gut feel and our ability to sense that there's something wrong about something, a misspelled name, an erroneous information, relatively crooked language will tell us that something is really off and that should actually prompt us to do the protective measure which is actually to avoid, delete, and go out of that social media or website. So I think we have discussed a little bit of what are the things that we can potentially do for purposes of protecting our privacy online and those of our teenagers. But truly, I would have wanted that there will be a program that will be launched by the government of the Philippines, the Department of Education, or the schools where our students are actually going to that would help them navigate the complex world of the web and the internet, and also to help them make use productively of the resources online that are at their disposal. I really sincerely wish that organizations will be able to craft a kid-friendly as well as kid-relevant or child-relevant information materials that will help them increase their digital literacy as well as their ability to make productive use of social media, of the internet, without necessarily exposing them to harm. So, this is the end of our episode and the end also of our two-part series on the research on teenagers' use of social media in Bohol. I know that the findings that we have for this research, along with the recommendation that comes with it or that come with it, are actually helpful not only for teenagers in Bohol, but teenagers across the country and even across the globe. In our next episode, we will be talking about 
the perceptions of tourists, both domestic and local, regarding cultural and artistic offerings in the province of Bohol. I think this is a very important information, especially for those who are working in the cultural and arts sector, as well as in the tourism sector, not only of the province, but also across the country. So I hope you'll be able to join us in the next episode of Stories in Numbers. Bye! Stories in Numbers.